one has ever complained about not being able to hear me. Something is, um, well, I, it's a devil, I guess. <laughs> my, my. Um, we had these seminars on the Saturday of the missions conference a couple of years ago, and they were quite well received. And then we're doing it again um, um, on the Saturday before the missions conference, the 26th of September, I think. And just, um, I, I, I hope you'll give that some thought. It's just some, uh, some experts in the field of orphanages and, and abortion and all that business that are going to be here on a Saturday morning, and it'll break up into seminars, and you'll can go to two, and then we go home. It's just a lot of good information. Hey, guys, we're back uh, to Galatians chapter 3, as you might have expected. Um, but what I want to do, just as we start, um, I, I just want to remind you where we are in the chapter so that you don't just lose the, um, just get lost into the, the debate and the argument. Um, the, um, the question that, that, that he poses at the beginning of the chapter, um, in, in verse 2, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Um, that's what he's, that's the question that he's uh, presenting to the Galatians. And then he gives you three lines of argument, verses five through nine, verses 10 through uh, 14, and then verses 15 through 17 or 18 are three lines of argument that he is using to answer his own question. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law? Did you, did you, did you receive the spirit because you earned it and worked for it? Or did you receive the spirit by the hearing of faith? And so he gives you these three lines of argument about trying to answer that. And then the, the, the result or the conclusion of that three lines of argument is that you dirt certainly didn't become a Christian by works of the law. And so then you come to verse 19 and he says, um, uh, what purpose then does the law serve? I've just proved to you in the first 18 verses of the chapter that the law is not that which will um, provide a remedy for your uh, separation from God then okay, then let's get rid of it. Let's just uh, ignore it. And he says, no, wait a minute. Um, uh, this, the law still serves a real gospel purpose. And we've looked at that for the past couple of weeks. Uh, he, answers, he begins to answer uh, in verse 19, it is added uh, because of transgressions. That is, um, one of the things that the law is supposed to do is that it's supposed to make you see your sin. Um, uh, there's nothing that will make you uh, hungry for a, a remedy like a gospel understanding of the law. The law is, is added. It's a part of the process of convincing men that they are lost without a Savior and they need him, the one that God provided. Uh, so that's the first answer to this question. It, it makes us all see our sin. And secondly, um, uh, he mentions, and we looked at this a little bit last week in verse 22, that the scripture has confined all under sin. That's one, of the, that's one of the functions of the law, is that it confines you under sin. And then you, you come down to verse 23, and he continues that image, which is what we're looking at tonight. Verse 23, but before faith came, we were kept under guard. There is a legal confinement. There is something that the, that the law produces that is prison-like. Um, and in the midst of having my, my, uh, my freedoms uh, removed, the law makes me yearn for freedom that can only come by getting out from underneath the law. And then let me just introduce this, and we'll, I think we'll come back to it some next week as well, but look at verse 24. Therefore the law was our tutor. So he's, he's answered his question in three ways. 
The question is over in verse 19. What good is the law? Then he says, it's because of transgression. Then he says, and he's using highly symbolic language, um, language uh, that, that combines to really say the same thing. But first of all, he, he likens the law to a prison. The thing that has robbed you of your freedom. The other image that he uses, again, highly illustrative, is that of a tutor. Now, guys, um, if you've got a Bible that's got a margin in it, let me just read you what's in my margin uh, concerning that word. The, the Greek word is paedagogos. Um, it's, um, it's a combination of uh, two words uh, about word and child, or child word, or child um, governor. But let me just read you this. In a household, the guardian responsible for the care and discipline of the children. That was a tutor. In a household, a wealthy household, the, the tutor was responsible for the care and the discipline of the children. But both of those things, you see, a prison and a tutor, rob you of certain freedoms. The, um, it, it, those two functions is uh, descriptive of what the law accomplishes. It robs you of freedom. And um, if the law performs its, um, its designed intention, it will make you yearn to be free. If it doesn't, you stay in bondage. Um, um, let, me, let me say this quick and then I'm going to come back, but even if you're a Christian here tonight, guys, our tendency is to go back and get in the cell, the prison. Our default mode is to live by law. Um, very frankly, law living is easier. It's very simple. That is, um, uh, if I don't obey, then I get punished. It's a very quid pro quo um, uh, arrangement. If I do this, this is what I get. But it, it, it creates... Um, an obedience that, ladies and gentlemen, is not real obedience. Um, if I'm obeying because I'm afraid that I'm going to get punished, then basically my obedience is nothing more than self-preservation. It is that I do not want to be punished, therefore I'm going to obey. I'm not really wild about the... Um, about what I'm doing, but I, I, I like it better than the, than, the, than the punishment. So for my own self-protection, I obey. That, ladies and gentlemen, is living in a cage. That is to rob you of any kind of freedom that, that you're supposed to have as somebody who's set, been set free by Jesus Christ. That is, the freedom that, we, that, that you long for is only found in Christ Jesus, and the law is to produce... Um, inside of you a hunger to be set free from all of this tyranny that I live under, that the law has, has produced. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> if you're guilty, and, and we Christians, we, we're we set free by grace, and yet we go back and live in the cell. Um, if you think like that, then here, here are a couple of the characteristics. First of all, you're always anxious about your status. Am, have I really done enough? 
Am I really doing things that really uh, ultimately please God and, and make him happy with me? The other thing, and we're going to come back to this in a minute, the other characteristic of those who live like this is that you compare yourselves with yourselves. The only standard you have for knowing if you're doing okay as a believer or other believers. If, I, um, if, I'm, I'm, if I'm living a, 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 a more of an uh, accepted Christian norm as compared to those other people in my church who aren't, that makes me feel really good about myself. And that comparison, ladies and gentlemen, is a, is a thing that we're warned against over and over in the New Testament. And I'm telling the, the, the Christian churches, eat up with it. Eat up with that kind of... And that's all legal living. That's all living like you're still under the tutor. Gang, the role of the tutor and the role of the prison is to be temporary. It ceases when you've been set free. And the thing that's... uh, Your freedom is to be found in Christ Jesus. And so the role of the law as a tutor and as a prison is something that's never supposed to trouble you again. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, that's the thing that torments us at night. Have I done... I mean, that's the thing that torments us on our deathbeds. Have I done enough? So guys, here's what I want to do just briefly with you tonight. I want to I summarize for you. I've, I've done the positive, so I'm going I'm to do the negative. I put up here before... Um, the, the, the three legitimate roles of, uh, uses of the law. What I want to give you tonight is the four illegitimate uses of the law. The four abuses of the law. You remember in that, in that passage in 1 Timothy 1.8 where it says uh, the law is wonderful when it's used lawfully? Well, ladies and gentlemen, the, I want to give you four unlawful uses of the law. The four ways that the law is used unlawfully. Okay, um, <laughs> hopefully a couple of these will um, will give you some leadership, and hopefully the other two you're way beyond. Let, 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 um, I hope. All right, first, quickly, the um, four abuses of the law, four unlawful uses of the law. Here's the first one. How about that? Um, uh, The law is used wrongly when it produces a self-righteousness in me that that makes me believe that I uh, I can save myself by law. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the crassest form. It's a non-Christian version of legalism, and you find it in Judaism still today. That is, um, that... I can produce my own self my own righteousness if I obey it well enough, such that I can be reconciled to God based on my own uh, production. Okay, that's some that's an abuse of the law. That's the one I hope none of you in here are, are guilty of. Um, but it's corollary, which um, um, maybe exists here. Um, the law is abused or the law is unlawfully used when it's not u- used to lead me to Christ. 
If it has, <clears throat> pardon me, if it hasn't led me to Christ, the law has not functioned the way it's designed to function. Because that's its intent. It's supposed to keep you legally confined and under a tutorship just long enough so that you will clamor to get out. I got to get rid of that stuff. Um, Somebody set me free from the tyranny of obeying that silly thing that has confined me. If it hasn't accomplished this, then it's not working the way it's supposed to, to work in you. Okay, here's the third um, abuse of the law. Um, um, guys, I've, I've, I've shown you this word before, but let me, let me just put this because I don't want to write this whole thing. Um, the word is antinomianism. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the word, it's simply, it's simply this. Um, that, that I define Christian liberty in such a way that I am exempt from obeying the law. That, ladies and gentlemen, is an unlawful use of law. That I have a, a definition of my own spiritual Christian liberty that allows me to believe that I am exempt from any obedience to the law. That, ladies and gentlemen, is to abuse the God-intended purpose of the law, and it's called antinomianism. That idea that my Christian liberty exempts me from law is called antinomianism. Antinomos, which is law. I have nothing, the, the law has no sway on my behavior. I am exempt from obeying it. That is an abuse of the law. Um, (laughs) I'd like to say more on that, but I'm afraid I've said enough in the past. But here's the fourth abuse of the law, guys, which I think is... um, I think it's rampant. And I think it's rampant in this room. It's an abuse of the law. It's to abuse the law when I use the law to measure my own worth. Not only um, <clears throat> I use it as a, to measure my worth, <clears throat> my status, or my, let, me, let me say standing. Um... I use it to define what is ultimately Christian maturity. And I I use it as the uh, measuring stick to all spiritual um, development. I measure my worth. I measure my standing as a believer based on... How well I keep the law. And this is, ladies and gentlemen, the the thing that produces so much anxiety among Christians. Because I'm constantly trying to figure out my standing based on 
how well I've performed the law. I'm constantly trying to review my worth and I associate it with the success or failing of obedience to the law. Um, Hold on. What I do is I I evaluate, I I do a piece of self-evaluation based on rules that are commonly accepted among my little sphere of influence. And so, and then based on those rules, some of which are extra-biblical, based on those rules, I not only evaluate me, but I evaluate you. And thus this This constant comparison of how well I'm doing based on a comparison with you. Oh my gosh, ladies and gentlemen, that is such an egregious misuse of the law. And and, and I want to tell you a couple of... I mean, I just want to illustrate it... Um, <clears throat> um, anybody in here ever heard of Ashley Madison? Is, is, that, is that right? No. You've heard of it. <laughs> Anybody's name in here on it? Uh, don't raise your hand. I'm, I'm, uh, <clears throat> um, do you know um, the, the guy that we just hired, um, Justin McCain? He's working in the athletic ministry here. He's a good guy, an ordained Southern Baptist who just came out of Louisiana. Um, in the, um, once the, the, uh, the site was hacked and the names were published, what was it, 32 million names that were published? I mean, it was, a, how many? 37, 37 million. Howard knows exactly. I, <clears throat> he's gone through all 37 million of them to make sure his name is not in there, you know? Um, Okay, but um, Jason, Justin was telling us the other day that um, he knows of four pastors in, the, in, in his, just his fierce, sphere of influence from Louisiana um, whose, name was, whose names were on that list. Um, he also went on to say that one of them, or another man, and I saw this on the news, but I don't know if it was the same one, has committed suicide. Because his name was, uh, he was, a, I mean, Justin said that he was a uh, seminary professor, and that's what this news report said, that he was a seminary professor, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the, the whole thing's tragic. I mean, the whole thing, the idea that he would kill himself is tragic. You know, just, just the idea that his name was on there was tragic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> but um, anybody ever heard this name? R.C. Sproul. You heard that name? <laughs> you heard that name? He's my hero. I've said before, 60% of what I know, I learned from R.C., you know. Um, His son was on there. Uh, R.C. Sproul, Jr. Um, uh, He was the editor of Table Talk. If If you take Table Talk magazine, 
Um, he was a he was the dean of students or dean of something in the uh, the the Bible College called Reformation Bible College in Orlando that RC has opened, and, um, and he he, um, he was on there and has admitted to being on there. <clears throat> um, if you're a blog reader, um, and if you if you stay up with that kind of stuff, then you've also heard of the name of Tully and Chavidian. Tully and Chavidian is the grandson of Billy Graham. Um, Tully and Chavidian uh, was the um, senior pastor at my home church at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And um, he um, oh, went off on a three-month sabbatical. I don't, I don't know why I never got one of those things. but <clears throat> he, he went off on a three-month sabbatical and he came back to find that his wife had had an affair. This is all public. It's in the news, guys. Um, I'm not telling you any deep, dark secrets. I mean, it's just been bantered about. And, and um, uh, he came back and found out that his wife had been in an affair. And uh, so to uh, deal with his own sorrow and grief, he went out and had an affair himself. The, the, whole, the whole thing is just tragic. I mean, he's resigned. He's been defrocked. Um, uh, he's now been hired by another church in Orlando, Florida. I mean, there's just blog after blog after blog after what's going on here and who's their people's opinion of this here. And, you know, just on and on and on it goes about uh, the horror of what Tully and Chavidian has done. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I-, I want you to know something. I've never been to the Ashley Madison site. Um, I've been married to the same woman for 45 years. And I've been faithful for 45 years. Okay? Now, what does that mean about me? Am I better? Am I more spiritual? Am I more mature? Does God love me more? Because that, ladies and gentlemen, is the way that we think. I didn't do that. So, I'm really more spiritual than the rest of those people. Not only is my name not on Ashley Madison, I had never been to Ashley Madison. Actually, you know, if it had flashed up one time, I probably would have gone. It just never found its way to my computer, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it did. But I didn't go. I don't go to them sites. Not me. Because I'm spiritual. Ladies and gentlemen, that is an abuse of the law. When we begin to class and compare ourselves with each other based on our performance, we are guilty of the unlawful use of the law, number four. My 45-year-old faithful marriage is not the standard. Well, I mean, it's a whole lot better than that, that guy. Really? You're a legalist. 
and you're thinking like you're back in the cell. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me try to um, illustrate what I think is the... I hope this will be helpful. Um, it's helpful for me, but I'm not... I, let's imagine that um, R.C. Sproul Jr., Tully and Chavidian, and me. We're all standing on the beach in California. We're at, um, what's one of the, Venice Beach? I, I think I've been on Venice Beach. Is that good? Okay, I, I'm, we're standing on Venice Beach, and there's Tullian with all of his burdens. Big old ugly mess. And then there's R.C. Sproul Jr., and uh, boy, he's got a he's got a just a horrible mess on his hands because he he put his email address and you know I, I guess somehow when you go to that site you then have to put your email in, address in there and I don't know pay money how does it work Howard <laughs> <laughs> just a joke um, <laughs> but. Uh, he put his email address in there, and I guess that makes you a subscriber. I, I, I don't know. Um, but, um, I mean, there he stands. There's Tullian down there, and there's, there's R.C. Sproul Jr. there, and, and there's Jimmy. <laughs> no, no, I haven't been to the Ashley Madison site. <laughs> no, I haven't, um, I haven't been unfaithful to my wife. And then somebody in the, in the threesome says, um, I tell you what, let's all swim to Hawaii. And we agree. We're going to swim to Hawaii. And so Tullian starts. And, you know, with all his mess and burdens and weights, and, you know, he swims for about 300 yards right to the bottom of the ocean. That's R.C. Jr.'s turn. He's a little more fit. So he starts swimming. And uh, he makes it um, 600 yards. Pretty soon he's right at the bottom of the ocean. Now, I didn't go to Ashley Madison. I didn't, um, I've been faithful to my wife. <laughs> I don't do porn. No, sir, Reba, you wouldn't catch me on one of those porn sites. You want to go look at my computer? My office is open. Go right ahead. And I start my swim to Hawaii. And I make it 15 miles. And I end up in the exact same place they did. Because what I need is the same thing that Tully and Chavidian and R.C. Sproul Jr. need. Our needs are equally 
enormous. And simply because I have performed better in terms of one portion of the law than they did, That does not increase my worth. It does not change my standing. And it does not make me more spiritual. And it does not make me more of a um, mature. Oh, this is the phrase I love. He's just a good Christian. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, there is no such thing as a good Christian. There are none good. No, not one. Um, But... For all of us, ladies and gentlemen, Ashley Madison goers or not, we all need a Savior. And what the law is supposed to do is create within me this enormous hunger for a deliverance from the bondage I'm in. And so for me to compare myself with those two men... is to take the law. It's, it's to be set free by Christ and then run back and get in my cell. It is to function as I still lived in some kind of legal confinement. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're eat up with that kind of behavior. Not, not the behavior, that kind of comparisons of, well, you know, um, uh, uh, I, he's in church every time the doors are, the doors are open. That makes him really mature, doesn't it? Well, you know, he's, um, he's one that uh, memorized the whole book of Psalms. That does it. Ladies and gentlemen, none of those things are bad. I'm simply saying they are not to be used as measurements of my worth and my standing, my relationship or my maturity. My marriage is not the standard. My marriage is good, but it's not the standard. It's not the standard for telling Jabidian. It's not the standard for R.C. Sproul Jr., and it's not the standard for you. The standard is Jesus Christ. And the indicator of my maturity has nothing to do with my obedience to law. It has to do for my love. It has to do with my love for the Savior. If I want to find out how I'm doing, I don't go to the law. I go to, um, to the place where I examine all over again is my love for the Savior growing. Guys, this stuff will kill you. Chuck Swindoll once said, Ligonism is the thing that sucks the lifeblood out of the church. I couldn't agree more. This will ruin you. This kind of um, mis-unlawful use of the law, it'll just suck you dry. And then in the midst of all of your hopeful good performances, you blow it. Then you say, well, to heck with this stuff. 
That didn't work. No, it didn't. Never will. What we're chasing after is a Savior. The standard is the Savior. The the standing that I have is because of the Savior. Not because of my obedience to law. You think about that. Father, would you uh, set us free from the foolishness as of, uh, of believing that I can increase my worth if I just do better? Lord, would you give us such a love for the Savior that doing better is our greatest soul's delight simply because we want to express love for the Savior? Rid us of all that... Uh, that um, that infantile thinking that takes advantage of the free gift of eternal life and then runs back into the jail cell and lives under law, snatching every vestige of freedom that we have ever had or enjoyed. Lord, um, oh, how we love the gospel of Jesus Christ. A simple message of Christ living the life that I should have lived and then dying the death that I should have died in his righteousness being imputed to me by faith. What a glorious message. Might we never mar it. And might we, um, might we, we, we be used of you to broadcast the glorious gospel of grace. We pray all of this, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, and good night.